Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Ali Hart and you're listening to How to Build a Creative Business in a Noisy World. We all know what it's like. It's not easy and you are fortunate enough to have stumbled across my podcast or maybe you're a regular listener. It's very easy to subscribe if you'd like to follow along, but you're now listening to my series, which follows different creatives, um, all different paths from photographers to illustrators to weavers to jewelry makers sharing their story and inspiring you so enjoy and thank you for listening Okay, so this is the start of my uh, interviews with other creatives. I'm very excited to have, well, I would say lifestyle photographer, but he might want me to say portrait and wedding photographer, but he's also a friend of mine, David Calvin. It is great to have you here, David. It's good to be here. Yeah, I also known as DC in our house, we like to call him. Um, the way that I kind of want this to go, if possible, um, obviously it's going to be so fluid and very lovely. Such a conversation, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, the way I would love it to go is kind of a little bit about you and your story. Yep. And um, maybe through to the personal and not well as much as you want to share, uh, or as much or as little, and then um, kind of a, a little bit about materials because the podcast is about creatives and how yep. to build a creative business in a noisy world. I talk about so mm-hmm. one of the reasons I'm excited about having you here is. A, because you like to put me in my box whenever I'm being dramatic. <laughs> no, as idea. A no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and also because, well, your content is beautiful and I can't wait for people to look at your website. So I'll put everything in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but Dave, davidcavan.com That's it. is the first bit. And I actually noticed whenever I was Googling, because I never really Google you, um, that that's disappointing you, for yeah, sorry well for now on I will um, much more well maybe Michael does more than my husband probably obviously but um, on that you have the, the ratings and things so David is also very good at being like forward thinking and just a bit slicker than I am with right. content with marketing and as an example I don't today, know if that says much about me or more about you well true but today for example he has brought his mic because um, as we all know and as I mentioned nearly every podcast it's more about content than uh, quality of sound. But Dave's brought a nice microphone today. Yeah, it's in the office, so I might as well have it. There we go. Well, a little bit about business. And um, and then I would just love, well, you're going to inspire people anyway, but um, a little inspirational quote or things that you love to read at mm-hmm. the end would be great. Yeah, great. So let's get started. Um, first of all, how do you start your day? Um, that's a great question. I've watched loads of videos and read loads of things about what how I should be starting my day. Yeah. But my day probably starts with the hangover of the day before. So whatever that is. So whether that's stayed up really late working. Mm-hmm. If I've stayed up really late working, depending on what the day entails, I'll maybe lie in to recover. Um, I have a fairly decent way of recalibration. So okay. if I feel tired, I'll sleep in. Yeah. If... Uh, if I need to get up early, I'll get up early. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also a very forgiving and considerate wife. So. That's what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's why I asked you, because I know that your hours of work are very different yeah. from mine. Like, I fit mine in around the boys, and it's mostly nine to five. Yeah. But having worked with you and talked before. Yeah. And, yeah, it's probably one of those things where um, I tend to... Um, I, the sort of flow state that I can get into is a lot easier at night time. Mm-hmm. There's less distraction. I work 100% on momentum. Okay. So if I can build a sense of momentum in a work session, then I can be a lot more productive. Okay. If I don't feel that sense of momentum, it's just like chopping away at a tree that I can't get brought down. So um, so I have to be careful of that. But yes, Julie's incredibly... Uh, she, she would be a morning person, which isn't doesn't give me the right then to lie in, which I end up doing. Yeah. But... Um, and she's a lot more disciplined than me. Right. So Julie, if she was tired, would go to bed early. Whilst I, I'm, I'm basically in constant search for the the that flow state because I think it'll probably come in the evening time, okay. which it tends to do. Yeah. Well, that leads us quite well on uh, to a little bit about family before. Well, what I wanted to ask you was in like a couple of sentences, could mm-hmm. you describe what you do? 
Yeah. But I'm happy for you to share about your beautiful children and beautiful mm-hmm. wife if you want to do that. Yeah, yeah. So like I I consider consider myself a photographer. Like the I think I probably cross different genres. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, I do weddings. Yes, I do portraits. Yes, I do sometimes a bit of sport. Yes, I do sometimes humanitarian documentary style photos yeah. and travel. Um, so it, I I deliberately don't like putting myself in a box. Not because for any like lofty reason. Mm-hmm. Then I feel if I was to do the same thing repetitively, I'd lose touch of what it was about. And yes. changing angles and changing directions keeps me on my toes. Uh, so, but I'm very happy with being called a photographer. Sometimes yeah. I dip into a bit of video work, but primarily a photographer. Um, but I'm also, yeah, like a dad to two beautiful boys, Ruben mm-hmm. and Ollie, um, a try-hard husband to Julie, yeah. um, and a son to my mom and my dad, who are fortunately still here, and a brother to my uh, my two sisters and my younger brother. Yeah, the four of you, yeah, because I want to talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, yeah, they're, they're quite the clan. Yeah, but that's great. And again, the creative. You're talking there about different elements of photography, and mm-hmm. um, I like. I'm excited for people to see your work because there's such a depth. And I don't. I think I mentioned on my podcast before that I was a photographer, and you were great at helping me through, nursing me through a lot mm-hmm. of that. And I actually keep meaning to share some photographs for like new social media followers now, so mm-hmm. they can see how I. Shared in those beautiful moments mm-hmm. with photo- in, as a photographer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things I always notice with yours is like that, like, well, depth and contrast, but also there's a there's sometimes a silence mm-hmm. there too. Um, and I know I said I'd talk about that later, but obviously it's so exciting talking about creativity. Do you want to yeah. share anything about that? Like, what you I know storytelling uh, um, is a huge part of what you do. Yeah. The, Whether uh, that's commercial 100%. or portraits. Yeah, yeah and um, I think... Uh, when I, whenever I, what I shoot for, I, I struggle to explain unless I see it. Okay. Um, but it obs- I'm a, I'm fairly obsessed with um, a space and the absence of something in a space. Mm-hmm. So uh, it could be the first time someone sees something and the what's going on with them. It could be uh, what is physically going on with someone. But I'm pretty obsessed with people mm-hmm. for a yeah. start, and then how we, the different ways that we communicate with each other through our verbal and non-verbal, and I'm a bit more interested in the non-verbal. Okay. And that, I think, um, so in terms of your story and where you've got to, you're now full-time self-employed yes. photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share, because I often talk as well on the podcast about how people, uh, it's not a one-trick pony, like not it's not a, like a very linear, straight down the line. Yeah. Um, so... Can you tell us how you've evolved to get to where you are? Yeah, yeah. So it, I took a very non-traditional route into arts because if you'd asked me at 16, if I was an artist, I would have laughed. I was yeah. nowhere near the art department. The only thing that I was jealous of is that they got to listen to music. Yeah, that was a big um, ours as well, actually. So, um, but, you know, if I sit, we sit in here and even your sketches, I still am baffled by. Mm-hmm. So then I don't have the... I, I don't think I have that ability. Yeah. Um, and there was on photography, and I'm 35, so like when art was at a different place than it is now, I yeah. think they probably bring more digital forms of art into yeah. in play now. But um, even photography was still in its film days, like there was digital cameras for sure, but yeah. there was still any pursuit of art was still done in film. And I remember applying to be part of the art club in school and didn't get in. Right. Um, and then, so then I became, um, I wanted to be a PE teacher. Okay. And then I spoke to a friend, like, why do you want to be a PE teacher? And I was like, because I felt I had experienced PE teachers that were brilliant and awful. And the awful ones made me want to do it because okay. I wanted to be the adverse of what they were. So I wanted people who, I have, I have a very average sporting ability. Right. Um, so I can play most things relatively well mm-hmm. um those who can't do teach have you ever heard that some, <laughs> something like that, that but, I, but i also am a, i'm also aware that i grew more as a sports person under people who weren't concerned about just my sporting ability yeah so um and then i spoke to a friend who's a p teacher and he said that's not really you'll not really get that opportunity because of lesson plans and all those sort of things to be what you think you'll be and he sort of pointed me in the direction of youth work and I'd already done a bit of youth work 
Um, and was this at school level or university? Just or as I was about to leave, leave. school. So I repeated what a year at school. Did you, did you do A-levels <laughs> or did you say C's? Yeah, okay. I did GCSE. So I went to BRA, did, um, which is oh, where God. Michael, your husband, teaches. Yeah. And he was there for a couple of years as I was leaving. And I um, did my GCSEs, didn't do very well in them. Um, the headmaster allowed me back in. And then we were the first year to do AS levels. Okay. So... Um, we were the first year to have like a half time in your, which is a, yeah, uh, that yeah, was the year really after, the year, yeah, after I finished, yeah, I started so, there. and you know, so my half time scorecard at AAS level was poor, okay, so much so that it spelt out how I felt, which was a D and two U's, which audibly even says like, duh, like it felt like, yeah, F. mine spelled ace, my final ones, the well, yeah, <laughs> it was better than mine, so, um, and I remember going back in and seeing the headmaster who's sort of a eternal hero of mine called Mr Young and he sat me down and he told me that he believed in me as a human being and liked how I took part in all parts of school life and not mm-hmm. just academic part and realised that I was struggling but he committed to sitting down with me every week and seeing where I was going mm-hmm. if I repeated the year yeah. so I repeated the year I finished that year with two C's and a D so I'd had, I had done biology, home economics for whatever reason yeah. and ICT and I dropped home economics. I thought I was just going to get to cook. Okay. <laughs> it's not, I don't even like cooking, but I thought it was practical. Was but it like child development and things? It's used like to food, do, like everything food biology. Yeah, these Enzymes, okay. that's all I can remember. <laughs> but the annoying thing about that class was there was only two people in the class. Okay. And it was like me and another girl. And the girl was always absent. Right. Deborah always never came to class. So it ended up being me and Mrs. Morrison. At that time in my life... Um, I was going through a few interesting things and how my brain decided to f- cope with the, those things was sleeping. Sleep, okay. So um, I remember going you to the... slept during class? Yeah, like all that? the time. <laughs> so it's just me and her opposite uh, in, on a bench. We didn't even do the classroom <laughs> setting. And loads of times, like an embarrassing amount of times I'd, re- I'd wake up realising I'd been sleeping. Um, so we, we, we dropped that and did soci- uh, replaced it with sociology. So my final A-levels were in biology, sociology and ICT. And sociology gave me a bit of an insight into social dynamics and how people work with each other and why people did th- certain things in social studies. Yeah, that feels relevant. Knowing you, that yeah. feels like something. So it really scratched an itch. Feels like the one thing that you chose. <laughs> well, ICT, in theory. I do, <laughs> well, no, I you know, ICT, so but, um, the Yeah, mm, it, was a, it was an interesting choice. So I set those down and then went towards, uh, finished that, and then went and uh, did a year out where I, uh, mentored in a local high school in inner city Oakland in California and coached some football and then came back with a deferred place at Jordanstown to do youth work okay. um, and for the first few years after graduation I was a youth worker in churches and or different organisations and as the photography started to sort of creep in sidewards which sort of um, I remember getting my first digital camera and that gave me the ability to um, apply uh, a learning style that I developed in school, which okay. was trial and error. So yeah. the faster I can see the problem I'm, the the mistake I'm making, and I can the faster I can correct that and see where the correction lies, the right. faster the trajectory of my learning. Okay. So if I do something, so if in, in in photography terms, if I was to take a picture on a film camera yeah. and have to wait till it got developed to then see what, what how I went wrong, mm-hmm. um, I was always going to lose interest. Yeah the benefit of digital was I was immediately able to see what I was doing wrong and, yeah. and course correct. Um, it was a real like kind of um, shift, wasn't it? I, I remember whenever, because even when I was at college, it was still the dark room. Yeah. And, but that was a great way of learning for us as well. Yeah. But I remember, and even like doing film in my master's was still clunky yeah. cameras. And then whenever the digital SLR, like it, it was a really, yeah, it we were probably similar times that we were like yeah, getting to know 100%. That. But I remember it was a, it was a point and shoot and I sort of maxed out its, uh, its capacity and what it could do. And then I remember buying a very cheap um, DSLR that mm-hmm. um, I'd found was like uh, my brother-in-law at the time had one and I wanted to get the same as him so we could share lenses. But it had gone out of production, but my friend was in New York and okay. there was one shop in Brooklyn that still had one left and he picked one up for me and brought it back. Um, and I sort of maxed its potential out as an amateur and then people started asking me to do things. And at that right. stage, me and Julie had just got married. We'd been left a wee bit of money and so we had a bit of a nest egg and I we had a discussion one day about investing that into the business and then we sort of set the business up and that was about 10 years ago. But it was all based on this idea that um, once I knew that my that I 
would need to throw myself in at the deep end yeah. in order to to basically raise my stress levels to the point where I knew I needed to be sharp in moments. Yeah. So I put the camera into manual really early on so that when I was actually facing someone and they were looking at me to take their picture, yeah. that I couldn't hold them there long and I needed to know what the, the, what the, the best way of getting the best image I could get out of it was. Yeah. And then that was the first few, the first while. And then once that became uh, intuition in myself, then I could focus on why I really wanted to be a photographer. Great. Yeah, I remember doing the same thing with the manual, like, again, early on, just, like, pushing myself to yeah. learn all about, because there was a thing in, um, Willie Doherty was one of our tutors in the Masters, and he was just obsessed with white balance, you know, yeah. and I was like, well, whatever, and then whenever it was, like, in front of me and I had to deal, it was like, yeah. and same thing, trying to deal with, it seems, I think as a photographer, people often think photographers, it is just point and shit. But you are dealing with the subject, you're dealing with the, you're dealing with all the exteriors, as yeah. well as, as you said, like, and I want to talk about that, like, people, knowing people. Mm. Um, it's really interesting. I don't know, I always find whenever I'm interviewed that when you start to talk about it and look back, there is definitely mm. a thread of, so I never knew that about you, about mm. your, what you studied or what. Yeah, well, it was at 16, I was diagnosed with, with dyslexia. So then right. at that stage, it started... I started the internal process of readdressing me thinking I was stupid. Yeah. So up to that stage, even though I was going to a sort of top grammar school, I'd got in because I'd failed my I'd failed my eleven plus. So I was going to a secondary Same school. Piece. I didn't know that. You got a D. Okay. So I'd failed it. I remember sitting in my mum and dad's bathroom, being really upset, even though. But I think all it was doing was affirming, even at eleven or whatever age it was, I was affirming something that I felt inside that I wasn't very intelligent. And then I went to a secondary school and I was off school for a while and I came back and didn't have a lot of work to catch up on. And my sisters at the time were at BRA, which the grammar school in Belfast. And it was like, I wanted to be there because they were there There, and family friends were there. Uh, My mum's best friends, all three of her sons went. um, And so, and I thought they were amazing. So I wanted to be there too. And, um, so, and it was in Belfast, there was loads of things, we were growing up in Carrick and the, you know, you get the train and there was all this sort of perceived glamour that was about going to the school and it was definitely sort of a narrative that I sort of built up in my head. Right. And then I applied to get in and because of the, the, nat- the natural nepotism that schools lean towards, if you have siblings there, they're yeah. sort of a bit more accepting. So I definitely get in the, you know, the side door. Um, and I was, I knew from the outset that people were a lot more intelligent than me. Mm-hmm. Like a guy that we were mutual friends with, Mark, is a bona fide genius, so yeah. he just didn't have he's to try. He's a ball, isn't it? Brains of Britain. Yeah, always. just yeah, just has no issue and, very and academic. incredibly academic. Yeah. Doesn't it just comes so easily to him, um, you know? And and that was just my peer group were just surrounded by people who just find school. Uh, they worked hard, but they find yeah. the learning part really very simple. And it just it wasn't working for me. So as my brother, having issues in school, he got diagnosed with dyslexia and. I remember my mum came home saying, Matthew's been dyslexic, and I had no real idea what that was. And the the tutor who's diagnosed him, the education psychologist, has asked if there's any other children in the house that are struggling, right. especially boys. And she was like, yeah, I have another son, and he's doing okay. But um, And I went in, uh, and it was Not like... until you were 16? Yeah. Right. And it was like something like she had her, whatever, I have no idea what metric they work under, but... The, something like I was performing academically at the lower the lowest 15 percentile okay. and my cognitive ability had me on the, the top so I there was a right. there was a gulf of difference between yeah. my execution and my ability um so at that stage I was started to explore through some private and school tuition about dyslexia about different um like learning methods okay. um but I knew straight away that there was an I knew I had an intelligence but I just knew it wasn't gonna allow me to be a doctor okay and I say to doctors all the time you know I'd love to be a doctor and they say oh you could have been you know it's not about being intelligent but as soon as I explained to them like yes but like I sitting down and reading through books and books and books to yeah. try and ingest information so I could write it down in an exam is a real challenge to me Same. so it's not yeah, yeah. so it's not so much yeah. the fact that I don't think I'm smart enough to be a doctor yeah uh, because give me the right ability to process information and I can I can retain it um but I just knew that it was going to be a path that I wasn't willing to fight enough hard. I wasn't. I knew the path to do that. I wasn't willing to give it the time. Yeah. Um, so that's what sort of led me up. But the the learning style of trial and error was really clear that that was how 
I was going to have to move forward in my right. learning, which meant that, you know, like I was a nightmare in university knowing this. One, one of the benefits of being dyslexic is that you... And what's that? What did you study at university? Then? Youth work. Youth work. Community, okay. community Sorry, and youth work at Jordanstown. Okay. Um, and the benefit was that you you go through another process to, for um, educational support. So you get like a, like a, given like a laptop and yeah. a few other things, like a dictaphone, which I never, ever used. I lent to a guy and I've never got it back. And <laughs> I like um, a software that you could dictate into. So it I would, knew someone yeah, that like, software, the whole, yeah, the whole thing. And so I was like loving it. Um, but the best part was I got this um, this sticker sheet that just had this information on it that in front and I could slap on top of any essay. Okay. And it basically was like you cannot mark this person down for gra- for, for, for grammar or spelling. I do like a rule of them. You oh, know, it was like amazing. I was just like slap see you later. So I knew that you know whatever ten percent they were scrubbing people off for for yeah. a poor grammar, and I was just going to get that. So. Um, and and I, I used that to my advantage. So I basically said I'm not going to proofread anything because okay, I'm just going to just going to hand it in because yeah. they're going to, you know. And I, I sort of scraped through university. I wasn't really that bothered. But what would annoy people? I remember going to the first our first university class party, and I drove so I wasn't drinking, and everyone else at the party was enjoying themselves. And I was cornered by a number of them at one stage, and they just yeah. were like, "We hate you in class." And I was like, "Why?" And I was like, "Because you sit there with your head down." Yeah. looking completely bored and then you'll say something that is re- really relevant to what we're talking about yeah. and I was like that's like I just once I get on a certain if I get involved in the narrative of the, of the conversation yeah. um, I realise I can speak into it if you're just firing information at me I really struggle but if I yeah. can get onto that narrative curve I can I can be in, I can I can deliver a degree of insight well and I can I can definitely vouch for that because uh, I know you said you dabble a little bit in video, but I would say, like, your video works beautiful. And, of course, people have seen my website video, which, yeah. again, stretches through that, like, silence. And you're talking about um, getting on board. Like, I remember I was so nervous before mm-hmm. we shot the film. And um, Dave always has time. And I think that's the thing with you. Like, uh, I remember thinking, oh, let's just put a video and get it done with, get it done with. But you allow that, like, expansion of, well, obviously, mm-hmm. I was interesting enough to get on board with, or maybe it's because I was paying you. Very. <laughs> of course. Uh, yes is the answer to your question. <laughs> um, but that idea of time and just, like, getting on board and just saying, yeah, like, being insightful, mm-hmm. uh, being directive, mm-hmm. like, um, so I can see why that would be. Yeah, and I think people here use the traditional form of that can get a bit frustrated, you know, so there's loads of times I'm standing there in front of people and like, tell us what to do and it's like, just slow down, mm-hmm. you know it's like, I think people want it to be delivered and actually a lot of the times what I'm doing is listening out for things that um, are in, are triggering me and when someone triggers yeah. me then I'll, and I'll start to pursue that, you know, and I can remember um, when we were in here uh, doing your video and, you know, we were going through and we kept stopping and starting and I was just like, Ali, you need, like, just talk just tell me how you're feeling yeah tell me what's going on and we got there you yeah. know and you know and, and part of the beauty of video is that you know we can, and it's about it's like this we you know we could chop and change this to sound as as how we wanted it to be you know and um but when you get someone talking you know you know we're in the, i think we're in the age of you know tutorials about oh you know podcasts need to be this length videos need to be this length yeah. You know, people lose interest after a certain period of time. I was going to say, blah. instant gratification. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, sometimes, like, you know, I think if people are interested, they'll they'll give it they'll give it scope. And actually, if they're not, you know... They're you know, not the right people exactly. for you or whatever, yeah. You know, and I think... So then, when I say I sort of dabble in video, it needs to be video work. Video only works for me whenever I'm completely interested in the subject. So to give you two poles of experience in that. So I travelled to um, Malawi for a number of years ago yeah. and we were on the ground for like three days it was really tight turnaround and uh, we were hitting loads and loads of barriers we we're in the middle of nowhere hitting loads of barriers about the information we needed to get and um we we got to the last day and it was a number of different problems i mean we needed one story okay. and we hadn't found it we're in, you know and you, you you go through a process so you set loads of gear up yeah you're sitting in front of someone you start asking the questions yeah. and I, and I, for whatever reason, whatever 
is in me, arrogance, ignorance, whatever, I can feel I can tell straight away if I feel it's going to be work, okay. worthwhile or not. Um, and we'd done about four or five of these, and it just wasn't working. And, and I was who like, was this with? If you don't, an organization so, called Tear Fund. And um, was this when you were doing youth work as well? Is this when you were? I was, I was. I'd gone to work for them, and then was slowly maneuvering out of them, and they were keeping me within their uh, like freelancer payroll. Okay. So, um, and and so we were there, and I was getting a wee bit frustrated. And those sort of spaces is, I'm like, I can be quite sh- not sharp, but I can. I know what I can. I know what I want, and I know what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um. And I sort of had to be a bit frank with some of the stuff we were doing. I said, right, and we went up to this lady, and as soon as she sat down to tell her story, which was in a different language, like it was going to have to be interpreted, I was like, this is us. We're, okay. I knew straight away from looking at her that yeah. we knew we were going to get what we were going to get. Um, but then a few months ago, so and then what we came back with, I was really happy with. Okay. Because I took ownership of the story. I was emotionally involved in the making of it all because her story moved me and by her story moving me and you could translate that onto everyone else. Yes. It was a relatively complex uh, subject which was climate change but I felt that by humanising climate change through her story we were able to make a difference. Yeah. Fast forward to March of this year we went to Haiti and Haiti is a very different country than Malawi um, and sort of... It's with Tear Fund again? Yeah, it was okay. with Tear Fund and I sort of probably arrogantly went along with the, the sense of like, you know... It wasn't much in Malawi and we can make it work. You know, and people are saying, oh, it's a really difficult place. And it's difficult for all the reasons countries like that should be difficult. Like, they've had in, incredible levels of trauma. They've had horrible levels of impact from foreign NGOs who have left them in, yeah. in, in, in different uh, places of despair. Um, they've sort of been used and abused to, for fundraising. So there's a natural hesitancy. And I was like, no, no, we'll be able to pull something out of the bag. We'll be able to pull something out of the bag. And we didn't. And since I've come home, I've really struggled to put that bit of work together. It's still not done. Okay. Um, whilst the Malawi video I made in like three hours, yeah. I edited in three hours, yeah. and it it changed. You know, I probably put another hour of re-editing into it after there was a couple of fine-tuning yeah. spelling mistakes standard. And um, but the Malawi one or the Haiti one recently is it's like trying to just chop through a wood of just trying to find the story. And when you're yeah. trying to find the story in post-production when you don't think you have it in production it dwindles as well it hard, it's yeah. hard to re-energise yeah. it and so what I say is that I'm not necessarily like a cameraman for hire I know because if I don't feel an emotional resonance with it yeah. I'll struggle to communicate that yeah. which, which it makes me really a bit frustrating which is why yeah. I can go out and take photographs of things and I can if it's not emotionally engaged me I can disengage enough to still do a job yeah. um, and if people don't like it at that stage I can say, listen, you, I can show you another photographer yeah. that maybe could do it better. There's just so much more time in video, yeah. isn't there? But it's just, it's a, it's a, so when people say, oh, you do some video, I'm a bit reluctant only because there's people who, I am a bog standard cameraman, as in like physically recording things. Yes. But I feel that my talent is, is the stage beyond that is like finding a story within, uh, finding an emotional resonance within a story. Yeah. It's feel, it feels like where I feel at home in. And sometimes I get the chance to do that in photography and other chance times I get to do that in, in films. Right. And that is the thing with create. Like, it's quite nice to hear you speak so creatively <laughs> for being so deadpan. Really. But it is like, you struggle. That's crazy to think you struggle. Dave always seems like he has it together. No, you're very open about your struggles, which I think is great for me too because I have a lot of them. Um, well, that was, leads me really well because I was going to say, so for me, so I was travelling this summer Really? I didn't, and, I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for quite a while. Were you working out on on, uh, on terra and rooftop terraces? Yes, yes. Our friend in Brooklyn gave us their gorgeous, gorgeous apartment with the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, you know, you got to work out. Keep the lifestyle going. You, you say that to me, Ali, with oh, surely a degree of irony. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, well, when I was travelling, I went to Oakland mm-hmm. and... Um, I'd actually taken those messages off. We can talk about social media later. But I'd taken the like messages off because sometimes I get yeah. my, my personality overwhelmed. However, as I'll yeah. talk about later as well, Dave reminded me that it's a free marketing tool. So I have to like, <laughs> you know, wind my neck in. But um, I had them back on. And one of the people that responded was Dave to say, are you in Oakland in California? Because you live there. Mm-hmm. So I feel for me, um, I it's hard to explain it sounds so selfish to say, but I think as a creative, I need to travel, right? That's always mm-hmm. my line. You know, I need to be inspired. I always said to anybody else, 
and especially like 17, 18 year olds in that life drawing class that you're talking about the images around here. And um, last week, you know, I was with like 17 year olds who were like, are you an artist? Yeah. I said, yeah, like, like goals. And like, what do you do? And I like yeah. telling about like, just travel the world, like take it all in. Yeah. How, for me, it just feeds into my inspiration. Mm -hmm. The best thing this year was, even though I was in with the toddler, with me, like I brought he has, little, a, he has a name. Uh, Abraham. Um, <laughs> is, that what, is, that, actually, is, that what, is that what you called him before we started recording? Uh, uh, no, probably not. Some more of a little uh, scamp anyway. Maybe something more than that. <laughs> well, actually today I was a reporter was doing an interview with me and I asked for the kids' names not to be put out there. So thanks for calling me out on that. Um, anyway, I brought my, my paints with me so I was able to record these like daily like, snippets. Yeah. And... Some days I hated it. It was such a dream, but I have no regrets on that. It's like this beautiful diary of it, and also just feeds into me being back. So yeah. after that long winter response, can you tell me how um, traveling a for work and b mm -hmm. with the family yep. feeds into your creativity? Yeah, it's it's a funny one because I think I think there's a popular um, thesis about creativity and travel, and um, I have friends who when they go away they come back and they're just you know every aspect of their traveling mm -hmm. process that's been documented you know yeah. they're they've vlogged halfway there they've yeah. uh, you know pulled out you know in interesting things the thing that always gets me and it was right from when i lived in california to now when i travel fairly regularly is um it's it takes me a while to get my camera even out yeah i'm not the person i'm not the photographer who has my camera around my neck the whole time. Yeah, I was the same. You know, yeah. and you know, I can remember being in Uganda a number of years ago, and we'd had a long, long process in getting physically there, and it'd been long travels, and um, we arrived at our guest house, and everyone's sort of piled in and found their room, and I just ended up sitting on the steps with the, the two drivers that had brought us there, two local Ugandans, um, and everyone came out. I was like, "What are you doing? Why aren't you unpacking?" I was just like, "Or why aren't you recording?" Or why aren't you? you know, I was just like. Yeah. There's something about uh, I have to understand um, local context and local narrative and people's stories to even start firing creatively. Okay. So, you know, and that'll even be if you're away with the family and friends, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like like there's there's times obviously that you see something that is aesthetically beautiful and that that's a that's a different process. But for me, to for I'm led by emotion. I'm highly emotional, yeah. even though. I probably project a relatively e at ease and deadpan persona, which I sort of double down on yeah. at times. But the that works. <laughs> but part of that is to do with um, ex like I find emotional people really interesting because my emotions don't necessarily. I, I feel like people who know me know I'm relatively emotional, but I'm not. Um, I'm not. I don't access emotions overly easily. Yeah. I'm not like I'm not afraid of them. I'm you know, I'll cry in front of anyone, it's not a problem. Um but I I probably am I probably naturally am more interested in other people's story than my story. Okay. Um so, you know, I would say, you know, I probably shoot thirty, forty, fifty weddings a year, what ends up being whatever year it is, and there's always at least one part of the day where I'll find myself being emotional and and it normally comes in either the absence of someone or the presence of an emotion that will trigger mine. Okay. So, you know, I've shot weddings where important people in people's lives haven't been there. And the acknowledgement of that has either triggered me or um, uh, when a dad sees her daughter for the first time or something yeah. like that, where I'm aware that the emotion's more complex than, than people would naturally presume. Okay. You know, a parent's emotion on a, on a child's wedding day is for a lot of people is a, a bizarre unattainable mix of um of grief yeah. with joy yeah hopefully um and over, over overwhelmed and there's lots of that can be played out so you know i, I can turn up to ends and take put a, a dress in a relatively nice place for it to photograph to be yeah. taken and I'm at that stage but the part where i start to really creatively engage is when i start to see uh, re uh, action and reaction. So when I yeah. see people engage with each other and then try and work out what's going on there because it looks like there's a different dynamic going on than is present in the room. Okay. And whenever you, tra you do travel for a few years, 
weddings a year. You yeah, yeah, do probably like, five yes, weddings away. Good content. It's <laughs> no. all just the galore, <laughs> sleep donor. Listen, uh, uh, the funny thing about that is that so I am, I, I am, <laughs> I'm not. There's a couple of there's a couple of photographers out there, and they're phenomenal. Like, and this is not a backhanded compliment in any shape or form. Uh, but if you look at their, if they're they're greater on Instagram feed or their website, it is. It's mountains and it's beautiful, beautiful moments, intimate yeah. moments with a couple in really beautiful places. Um, and for me, uh, the emotion comes before the situation. Yeah, no, I know. Um, you know, so actually, you know, when I'm a, a photograph I, I took in a chateau in France where a dad sees his daughter for the first time um, isn't because it's in a chateau in France. Yeah. It's the emotion in the room yeah. that is more interesting to me. Now... Better when, that light was nice. Though, it right? was beautiful coming through <laughs> that. And yeah, and that's all part of it. It makes it a lot easier. I know, I know. Um, and actually, there's, you know, weddings away, everyone feels like they're more on holiday, so they're probably a bit more relaxed. They're probably le- less worried about whether some minute detail that they're, yeah. they've been obsessing over for a while because the, the distance normally gives them a sense of lack of control. Yeah. Local weddings tend to be, want every bit to And I always say to couples on the day, and, you know, everyone will testament to it because harp on about it is like you nearly need something to go wrong for the day to go right yeah as soon as something goes wrong then people drop their guard they drop their expectations and they allow what should be there which is they get to see their friends and family in a room and they get to celebrate their love for each other in front of them yeah you know and when that happens and so if i can if i can then place a couple in a really aesthetically beautiful place yeah. then brilliant yeah but but it's be, not, no, I know, it's, it's not, not the, the driver, on, it's not, not the driver. Yeah, not for me. Yeah, so I'm not that well, photographer. So people say to me all the time, you know, oh, you must get bridezillas. Or, and my answer back is, no. Yeah. The, the people whose agenda is to be absolutely stunning and their day to be the most picturesque day possible, mm-hmm. I don't think they look twice at me as a photographer. As a photographer, I was going to say, just you talked about that earlier, it's the same with me, you learn as you get, uh, maybe it's age, maybe it's just experience, I'm 10 years in business as well, um, that the people that are attracted to you and your work tend yeah. to know your style and have yeah. got that sort of vibe about you. And um, You photographed my friend Tori's wedding. I did, yeah. And um, that was fun because I've seen you, you. And mm-hmm. You were, uh, I think it was just very natural having you there, but... It's maybe not the best link, but I was just remembering the day and us in the kitchen um, mm-hmm. that you came whenever we were getting ready. I was a bridesmaid yep. and that like calm feeling about it and just talking like in your kind of quiet voice. I'm a shouter, as you know, um, to Tori. And I was thinking of like how you, uh, the personable aspect yep. of what you do. And then I was, I always think of, because we do know each other and yep. like and maybe you were making me feel better when I was having freak outs before that video mm. uh, but you are quite a consoling person would you say your ability to console others like I've put that down about like you're great at consoling others me included um, and I feel like you, it comes very naturally to you mm-hmm. can you expand on any of that in terms yeah. of family yeah, yeah. Like, up, upbringing yeah yeah so like like mum is a nurse so um, has a high la- like you know as cared for people right through all phases of life she ended up being a midwife and a number of people who come up to me and say hi oh, your mum delivered my kids yeah, or whatever right. and um so like it definitely was in the family that, um, and your role in the family <laughs> <laughs> my role in the family is is depend on which family member you speak to um i like there's loads of things that go on with with a family like mine um so i'm third in line first boy so okay. two older sisters then me then matthew and Matthew is five years younger than me, but I'm only five years younger than Sarah. So there's three of us in the yeah, same time, time that there was one of Matthew. That's like, so my Abraham is five years younger than the big two. Yeah. So, um, and um, Sarah, the eldest, is uh, highly intelligent, okay. book intelligence. So she can read, she loved to read and everything. Uh, Victoria has a, a very high level of book intelligence as well, but she was a bit more vivacious as a character. Okay. So Sarah had like quiet dy- dynamism. Victoria had slightly louder dynamism. Not, not that she's very loud. Um, and then I came along and probably struggled for uh, 35 years to find what where I sat. Yeah. 
because then what happened after me was then this whirlwind came in after me, which was Matthew. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Ma- like you know, and he, uh, Matthew immediately came into the world and the room, rooms brightened up. Yeah. Um, he entertained everyone. He was, he still does <laughs> incredibly well at that. And, um, but, you know, we had mum and dad. Mum, uh, dad sold cars and was very stable. Like he just was this sort of, you know, ticking clock. Like he just, you know, not, he had sense, not um, overly emotionally engaging. Like, yeah. you know, he was there and very supportive. And, you know, whenever I was sort of staggering out of nightclubs when I was a teenager, he would have just sort of had to pick me up and just put me in the car. Yeah. And just never really, never flew off the handle. And, you know, his emotion. I always love when friends with dads like that. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones that you feel yeah. like I get a Yeah, dad's, dad's emotions sat very centered. Like, yeah. you know, there were, nothing ever really seemed to fire him off. Nothing, you know, nothing really ever got him down. It never seemed to be possess the ability to go really low, okay. but also never really seemed to possess the ability to go really high. Mum, on the other hand, is is this, you know, like, she's like a weather system. Okay. You know, she has a, what seems like an an, uh, an an ending ability to care for people okay. that um, is present when you, when you see it. You know, she's constantly looking to care for people. Um, probably at the expense of herself. Mm-hmm. You know, she spent a number of years uh, bedridden with Emmy and okay. now has fibromyalgia and there's loads of things going on. Um, but she carries things for people, okay. you know. So if she had, you know, if she left work and someone was having a really bad day, she carried it for them, okay. you know. And that meant that, you know, when you're in a room with mum and she's caring for you, you feel like she could do anything. Okay. So I was aware of that and probably... Um, you know, Victoria, Victor- told her that. yeah, yeah, Victoria, oh, <laughs> Victoria, uh, um, Sarah, and Matthew are also like that. Matthew would be very different. Matthew, um, I say, brings rooms up. Like you know, immediately the room, the energy in the room goes up when Matthew comes in. Sarah is a bit more of a quiet nature. She's now a counselor, which is okay. not a massive surprise. Uh, Victoria started as a, a ICU nurse and is now a midwife. And again, like it is. <clears throat> Vicky's the sort of person that looks like you could throw anything at her mm-hmm. and she'd just be able to dodge or wave okay. or take it on and she takes on a lot herself. Um, so my, so I, I, so for me, I was I then had this sort of I had this sort of classroom okay. of coping of people of how they were able to cope and also how they were able to help. Um, and I probably feel I can dip into all aspects when it comes to like, the specifics of how I do things, there's there's two things. So if I think of a natural, I have a natural interest in people that then leads yeah. me to be relatively empathetic. Um, I'm not always empathetic, and I'm sure if you hear me try to be funny about people, sometimes you'd think I'm highly unempathetic. <laughs> but the the morning of a wedding, there's two things that I tend to do when I step into a room, is that one, I hide in plain sight. Yeah. So I feel if I go in, and I'm completely silent, the mystery around me would then lead people to be feel uneasy. So yeah. I come in and I'm, I'll talk. I'll yeah. not necessarily be taking pictures immediately. Um, the in the hope that then whenever things start to happen, people forget that I'm there. Yeah. Um, and also, I I'm in a room full of people who have maybe only attended ten weddings in their life. Right. They potentially never been married, or if they've been married, it's you know they're re they're getting back on the horse again. Yeah. There's a re hope, but it's not as if it's a familiar experience for them. And for me, I'm probably, what, three, four hundred weddings in, so I'm aware of what goes on. Yeah. And actually, you know, I have found that being able to uh, slow people's heart rate down in those moments allows them to appreciate the moment even better. Yeah. So actually, there's a function and there's a purpose. Not It's not as cold as that. I'm not going in sort of being like, this is what I'm going to do for this reason. Yeah. But I see that there's benefits to it, you know. Okay. And, and, and I'm very fortunate that I you know, a, a familiar thing with people who say, oh, you're more than a photographer to us. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, like, I'm. it's because I want to be emotionally present. Yeah. You know? Well, I think, I know you're saying maybe not book smart, not whatever, but I feel like I went through life pretty unaware of my mum and my brother until mm. uh, probably after I had my own kids. I'd be mm. like, well, my mum was like this. Like, we did, um, I did a creative uh, writing, I got yeah. a scholarship last year for it. And you had to write about uh, your a parent or someone close to you. And I wrote about my mum, but it was a poem. You mm. know, like, you are 
the color purple. Yeah, yeah. You are the roast chicken dinner in the center. Like, I could cry talking about it, mm. you know, she delivered to everybody. But it took me a long time to do that. So, listening to you talk about your siblings, it's um, very kind of emotive, actually. And cool that you, maybe maybe now you can verbalize it better. But, like, yeah, the fact that you were aware of that yeah. growing up is actually in my opinion, very intelligent. No, I think, well, I think for me, like, I was always aware of it. I probably, yeah, the verbalisation is probably a, new, a relatively aspect of what I'm able to do with it. But You know, like a wind, like a weather, like a weather system, like all of that but, is actually but, very poetic. You know, but like, I had coffee with a friend of mine a while back and he used to comment about, our house was like an open door. It was like a revolving door. People, that's where I first met your Michael. Yeah. Um, just in our house because people were there constantly. And I, um, this guy was like, oh, I always thought, you know, it was really interesting because, you know, we all come in and everyone would be, you know, this would be happening, this would be happening, this yeah. would be happening, and you'd just be in the corner, like, s- sitting there. But happy, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I, don't, I, I don't need to be... Not sleeping like no, 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 but observing, but that's... Um, that's great. Well, I think that's a strength. I, it's pro- it's probably something that I don't necessarily have, and I, I'm probably a bit more... Uh, ex, ex, like. You know, so if you define uh, introvert and extrovert as by where you gain your internal in your internal energy from, where you re-energize yourself from, mm-hmm. I'm definitely an extrovert, so I need people around me. Yeah. So like I, you know, I've been to New York on my own yeah. and done nothing, and I've been relatively uninspired. Yeah. But then being to New York with friends and it's been really inspiring. Okay. Um, I, you know, I've been to beautiful places and not been bothered about what's around me because yeah. it's part of it. Part of the feeling is, that, does it really matter if it's not shared? Okay. It's not if I with don't someone. see it with someone. Yeah. And I actually find that with Abraham, mm. as lovely as it was sharing with him, <laughs> his conversation was not great. Uh, yeah. And he is also. Do you want to pause? No, I need to charge my battery. Oh. Just keep talking. It's fine. And well, his conversation was not great, but also he. I was quite lonely. Yeah. And I don't use that word like you know. And I I uh, felt the snippets that I shared were still geared towards my enough I, I like to think I've kind of got to the stage of social media which mm-hmm. is going to get on to now yep. where I know what I'm sharing without it being uh, too exposing of myself and what I do or my kids or my family yep. so there was that element but then also it was yeah just me and him yeah everywhere traveling everywhere with a million yep. bags yep. you know the homeless guy stealing his popcorn on the tube yeah you can plug that in. For context, then, my battery is better on the battery, and Alice just plug it back in for me. There we go. We're back on board. Okay. Well, we're not, we're close to finishing it now. Um. So yes, social media. Um. And your brand. I can give you an option. Would you rather talk about that, <laughs> or would you like to tell me just a very quick fire about what you're reading right now? Do you read books? No. I'm supposed to say. So. No. Listen to podcasts. Um, I, I, well, what, two reasons. Yeah. So, I think I've read probably, definitely under ten books in my life. Okay. Any of those business books? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, There's so many great podcasts. So podcasts. so podcasts are probably a bit more, uh, and that doubles down because I'm driving or I'm traveling a lot. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. Are there I've, any you inspired by at the minute? Well, the one. One that I'm constantly listening to is the Armchair Expert by with Dax Shepherd. That's okay. um, I listen. Oh, to, Dax Shepherd, yeah. yeah. So he does a thing called Armchair Expert where he interviews people in the public eye and experts in certain fields and sort of uh, drills down. Um, and the sort of thing that stood out he, he interviewed his mum. He sort of holds his mum on a very high pedestal. But he, one of the things that sort of I'm reminded of when he talks about his mum in this one is that he talks about his mum give him. Um, encouraged them to see things not in black and white, not in binary. Okay. So and she did that by if someone if the news came on about someone being killed. Okay. It wasn't just about having empathy for the killed person who has been killed, but what has led the killer to be that way okay. that is, um, and things like that. You know, so I, things like that interest me because I'm, I feel like I'm in a space where I I at my worst I'm very binary. Mm-hmm. That person's a knob that you know you know driving in the car and why is that person driving 15 miles an hour yeah. slower than they need to um when i when i'm pushed into a corner i become very binary and when i'm in health and when i'm in strength when in strength i um 
you know, in conversations I've had with you, like, you know, when you said to me, it's like, oh, you know, I don't want people thinking I'm this person if I put this out. I'm just like, people will. Yeah. People, yeah. people will think that people will not like me because of something I've yeah. said or done or whatever. I think Dax Shepard's quite a good example of someone who's just themselves, isn't he? Yeah. He's pretty frank. So do yeah. you feel like that's um, just on a feed-your-mind level, or are there any businessy type ones? Like, I quite like... If I have the time for it, I like the Tim Ferriss one. It's very long. Yeah. But I listened to another one called um, How to Be Good at Your Job. Mm-hmm. Like, and they don't always necessarily be relevant. Yeah, I've t- I've, I used to listen to one uh, called Story Brand, which is a guy called uh, Don Miller... Uh, but that was because I was interested in the idea that uh, that your branding should be part of a bigger narrative. Okay. Um, and oh that, yeah. And, and that we all understand things through through a narrative arc rather, which is why, um, which why why that triggers for me is because if you tell me a story, I'll remember the details in the story because it made sense. There's a linear path of logic that then I can understand through it all. Whilst if you just tell me information, yeah, I, I struggle. And um, well, on that note of social media, then. Mm. Um, the way I've put it is social media and your brand discuss. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So things that stand out for me, um, knowing you, yeah. are well, obviously consistency and content, which is lovely, and little snippets of family, but not overload. Yeah. Um, I don't watch stories, so I don't know if you do stories anytime. Flirt with them every now and again. Yeah, flirt with them is a good weapon. Um, whereas I feel like I'm in a relationship with them because they convert for me. Mm-hmm. They get me to the aisle. So, yeah, you know. yeah, of course. But um, I, I, I love a break from them too. But to that, and then the other thing was what we we're talking about at the very, very start, where you said about like your body clock and how you work. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with you about like the time that you would post, and maybe sometimes be like three in the morning, or um, yeah. and that's not always a calculated thing. Like, is there what would you? Well, it, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it isn't. Yeah. Like so, for me, the. Uh, social media um, for, is my career wouldn't be anywhere without it. Yeah, and know? I say the same. You know, yeah. so um, and How I, I and I go through yeah, um, I go through phases of being strategical and non-strategical. When I'm bit when I'm busy, I probably don't think about it too much. When okay. I'm when I look intensely for work, or if I want to sh- shift gears and uh, uh, you know doing different things, I'll maybe I'll maybe challenge it, hit it in a different way. Um, I suppose the the flip flop that I probably get into is on two different levels. From a content point of view, I definitely start tiptoeing when I'm feeling insecure into what right. people want to see. Right. Like showing photos of things that are nice. Yeah. Um, or that will potentially. The word nice is just yeah. terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> um, and um, but also that might gain more traction. Yeah. But when I'm at my healthiest, I express photos that have. I have emotionally engaged them. Yeah. That maybe don't get the same level of engagement. Sometimes the it, you know the blue moon will happen where it'll resonate with yeah. me and resonate online and and, 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 and it'll yeah. and it'll find its way to yeah. a lot more people than I ever. My sister as a midwife brought me in to do photos of a a, a, a couple of parents that had just had had a stillborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went and did that, and with the parents' permission, I was able to tell a wee bit of their story and, and show a very subtle photograph, and wrote a blog post on it. And it went fairly big, and I recently did a wedding where the daughter, the bride, went and visited her granda, and her granda was starting to suffer from a couple of different things. But okay. um, I got a picture of him just gently sort of like touching her hair. Yeah. You know, and that really triggered me. But and those posts then end up going bigger. Yeah. But the vast majority of times, it's just posted to go out. So on that level. From a content point of view, I flip flop between people pleasing and yeah. posting stuff that I think means means something to me. Yeah, you um, know, you know Matthew Thompson. Um, yeah, yeah. From so the two of us had a conversation recently, and we've got like a little series coming up. Um, but best of Belfast yeah. is his podcast, and did he interview you? Not yet. No. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> but I was just thinking that this conversation we had was someone had talked the day that I saw him recently. Someone had called like Instagram chewing gum for the eyes. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, like, it's it's kind of not taking things personally. Like, yeah. it just is sometimes chewing gum, which we kind of chew. Yeah. And it's not always that we don't like it. It's just Yeah, and I think you can have a big, you, yeah, you can have a bigger picture on it all with regards to if you take a sort of slightly back, uh, further step back from the individual post and see what your collective is, your collective work is. But the other, le- um, Matthew's, 
a brilliant lad, and um, he, he's been the reason why I know him is that he's been groomsman at a number of weddings that I've done. Okay. Um, but uh, the the other level that I sort of see Instagram or social media point is when I'm not healthy is why would someone care? Uh-huh. I remember very very early on, and I think I've spoke to this person about it, so I'm sure it'll not be mine sharing, and he'll probably not listen anyway. But uh, there's a, me. <laughs> it's more 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 on him more on him than you. Um, and his younger brother of a guy I went to school with, and he was still at school when I was there. But so I know him not really, really well. And I was starting out. I remember doing uh, photos around the North Coast for a local business. Um, and at the time, I was very strategically trying to like push things up yeah. for want of more work. So I put it up being like, you know, standard sort of BSE post of like, you know, oh here's here's some work I've been working on recently, yeah. and blah blah blah. And he commented on it thinking he was privately messaging his brother, his older brother who I knew, okay. saying, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Sorry, you can bleep that out. I can, but it's okay. Um, no, you're fine. Um, no, I'm just laughing at that because it also makes me think you, told, you introduced me to Gary... V. V. Yeah, similar sort of. But he, Yeah, but he was sort of like that and I was just like... I, I went then into retaliation of like, he's right. Why would someone care about yeah. me, the work that I'm doing? Um, so as much as that was a difficult pill to swallow it, it, it then probably is one of the reasons why I flip flop between why would someone care yeah and then why do I care what who cares, cares yeah so it, me, it, me, uh, it, me in absolute health is putting stuff up because I'm clear that it's that it's something that interests me I'm clear that by doing it it leads to work that interests me and also work enables me to provide for my family yeah I had to get over that hurdle too and I think a lot of people listening to this will uh, understand that dilemma of like you know get out of your own head seriously if this is what you've decided to choose as a career yeah then and if that's a path especially like it was you that said to me like it's free and I had to when I was away and I didn't want to give a royal rat's ass about social media or anything but I always feel now it's like that thing of it's a tool for me yeah I'm not about like um and it, yeah it, it's yeah it's storytelling some ways for me but other times just visually because it's like yeah. a beautiful piece I want to share well I think the thing that one of the things that I got to remember, and that's where my audience is you're probably fine completely completely I remember seeing a few I remember when stories really sort of kicked off and I remember there was a few things going on and I remember about to go to bed I was about to go and do a wedding in um in the northwest up in Derry and uh, with a brilliant couple who I'm still in touch with and I was just about to leave and I was had watched someone and they'd done like a questions oh ask me any questions yeah. and, I, and party had a re, like a reaction being like all oh, right uh, who do you think you are <laughs> uh, again that's my non-empathetic no, I, self yeah, like we all there's pro you know yeah. and then I was like you know but then what started to happen to me I started to realize that that reaction probably comes from a place of borderline jealousy mm-hmm. that that person was able to do that yeah so then I was being triggered by the fact that I was slightly jealous that they had the gumption or the confidence or whatever to do that. Yeah. And then I was just like, you know, is it more egotistical to be bothered by what you think people are going to think of you? Yeah. Or just to let it out? I know. You know, is it more, like, am I, am I bothered that I don't want people thinking that I'm an egotist? Yeah. Or, and if I am, is it more egotistical actually to be bothered by I that? Know. Am I a narcissist if I like put myself out there and it's all about me, or if I like hold back thinking but, I'm better than? Or if I hold back thinking that people are going to think that. Yeah. If people don't, you know, I put up a post the other day. Twenty likes. Mm-hmm. Put up a post yesterday, hundred and eighty. Mm-hmm. No, you know, there's. You know no what I mean? Real, like, it's, yeah. you know, for me, I'm going like, is you know, does that mean that other post wasn't? as good you know but yeah. it, but for me at healthiest I'm not even looking at those you know I, I'm aware they're there but I'm not overly bothered yeah. by them I'm not allowing it to sort of sway whether I do it or not totally and I just there was another press thing that someone was interviewing me for recently and um, that idea of like uh, depth is better than breadth yeah. you know like I so what if there's like 10 things in mind like if I'll still get an inquiry about a commission all yeah. of that and that's what's important you know too okay. but um, sorry do you want to say more on that no. I know I could go all day about social media because it's my love-hate relationship. Yeah. Well, just as we kind of wrap up, I yep. wanted to um, ask you just if there's anything about like so materials as a photographer and then just how you would inspire any photographers coming up. 
and then just you can do that in like one sentence if you want or if you want to just like bullet point yeah so mat- materials being physical things yeah aside from marketing yeah yeah so like well, so as a business person like what you have to invest yeah so like I made a, a fairly critical decision early on that it, to, I struggled to call myself a photographer okay. when I first started because yeah. I, was, I was like if I'm an amateur and don't say I'm a photographer and someone sees a photo and they think it's amazing yeah then it's more impressive <laughs> yeah. um, but also if I, if I then say I'm a photographer then I'm I'm you know, required to a standard, really? yeah. standard and I was a bit intimidated by that and now it doesn't bother me as much anymore but it, but if I was going to be a professional and ask for an income from it I needed yeah. to invest on professional equipment now there's two levels for that for me again it's not just so much that it has the capacity to take better photographs but like my cameras are tanks yeah. like they're thrown around my bag lenses are exactly the same they have so there to, you they have your big bag do you have your yeah. camera in that yeah. a couple of cameras um, and they're, it's because I'm constantly on the go, so they need to physically withstand a degree of stress. Yeah. So, and, you know, for me, that's important. You know, they may get a bit damp in rain, they may be bashed around, so yeah. they need to withhold themselves. So from a professional standard point of view and a build quality point of view, those things were important to me. You know, why do I have, you know, added completely on Atwell Max is because that's what I learned. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm sure, I'm, I'm, when people say to me, oh, you know, Aren't Max just amazing? I'm just like, like I'm I'm a self-proclaimed fanboy. Like I have loads of Apple stuff. Yeah, I've for two reasons. One, aesthetically, I'm charged by them because I think they're they're beautiful. But from my point of view, if someone says to me I have a PC and it's better, I'm just like brilliant. Yeah, I love Apple, and I know that I shouldn't say that. No, but like for me, it, it's going. It works for me. Yeah. If you were, sitting, I get excited about buying a new Apple product. I remember years ago when we were thinking of like how I, you know, package my yeah, prints yeah. and things to go out. <laughs> And the way my business is going now, like, but Prince is definitely separate from the paintings, you know, yeah. and it's lovely. But we were like, I was trying to think of like, what was it that I just, what do I love to get? And it was unpacking something yeah. from Apple. Yeah, yeah. But that's, and, and you know, there's loads of things that go in that. They're, they're constantly moving and evolving. Exactly. And, and yeah. you know, it's, so I'm not, you know, and people say to me, like, why do you, like, I shoot, I shoot on Canon. On Canon, yeah. Why do you shoot on Canon? I, that's a camera I picked up first. Yeah. At the time, what I was, was the I, camera that you got someone in Brooklyn? To find? It was a Conyat Minolta. Okay. Uh, the, Do you still have it? Mm, great question. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know why. You sold it. No. <laughs> he gave it to someone. I can't honestly can't. Along remember. with the dictaphone. Potentially not the same guy. <laughs> um, no, the uh, so like the half yes. So when it comes to computers, like the aesthetics definitely chart. Like you know, I'm charged by it, but the 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 functionality that has to you know has to be there you yeah. know so at the minute people are loads and loads of people are moving over to Sony's okay from a camera point of view and yes they may be lighter they may be better but actually at the minute if you put me blindfolded into a room and told me what the conditions were in the room and handed me my camera I could probably get close uh, blindfolded with a Canon yeah cool yeah so it's or with my Canons yeah, so like because I knew can, yeah. I know what it needs to be yeah. or if I if if you throw me my camera and ask me just to take one shot and I have to work out everything without looking at my light yeah. meter, I'm probably there. That's fine. You know, that's so like, but that's the whole thing. But that's like, also knowing your tools. But the reason, but the, uh, you know, the philosophical reason why about knowing your tools is important is that if I'm a photographer and I'm standing in front of you being asked to take your portrait yeah. and I'm more consumed about what my settings need to be over you as a person yeah. than I'm feeling. Yeah. Because talk about blindfolds. I did those blinds, those drawings behind you. They probably well, look the, a bit blind. The, no, the, those are the ones that I, I told you look more <laughs> like me than I'd like <laughs> that I'd like to admit. For reference, yes, they're they're slight they're doing. slightly they're slightly uh, they're they're they're, they're, curvy they're ladies. They're ladies, na- na- <laughs> they're naked ladies who have a bit of shape to them. And I, and I yeah, res- that I was one of the other stories David replied to. Was uh, to say that the naked ladies I was drawing in a kind of a castaway style, but it wasn't intended that. But you look at the subject, so that's a 10 minute one that we're looking at on the right. 
Um, I could put that as the image for the day of Calvary. You could. And uh, uh, unknowingly, <laughs> you show that to my wife, and she'd probably be like, mm. "There's <laughs> well, definitely aesthetics to that that are similar." Yeah, but you know that thing of like the confidence you're saying about blindfold. That's quite cool. I quite like that image of like or something. Just someone takes all away from you or doesn't tell you what the numbers are, and you have to try and. So, um, it's been so great to have you. It's very exciting. It's a pleasure. Um, it's so lovely for people to be able to hear about that. Can you finish with just one? I know it seems a bit corny, but I take these things away from podcasts I listen to. Um, like a quote that you love or a motto that you live. Well, on my computer, uh, the underneath the screen of the computer, I have like a duct tape, okay. a green duct tape thing, and it has three words on it. It says, you, uh, "Your move, chief." And my favorite film is uh, un- without like unparalleled favorite okay. film is Goodwill Hunting. Um, so good. And um, very good. yeah, Matt Damon sitting talking about his you know his genius or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and Robin Williams and they're sitting on a bench and they're struggling to get to a conclusion with regards to their psychological the, his psychological profiling of him, and he talks them through. He's like, you may have um, like if I ask you about uh, Michelangelo, or, or yeah. you, you could tell me all these things, but you don't know what it feels like to stand in the Sistine Chapel. If I asked you about uh, poetry, you can, incite, you can probably recite some things. I cried listening to those lines, yeah. So, yeah. But at the end of all, he just gets up and says, you're a move chief. And for me, that's about the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Yeah. So, And that to me is like, so when I'm sitting in, in the office and I'm just like thinking, oh, you know, what if I, you know, I've, I've said for years and years and years, I want to do a, document, a documentary about my brother. Subsequently, someone has come in and done a documentary about him, so I don't okay. know if I will anymore. But for ages, my charge and my sort of thing was just like your move. It's my move. Yeah. If I want to do something, I want to do it. And if, you know, if I want to have the excuse that what if someone thinks I'm a dick or if what if someone, you know, is going to be critical, then they're all the excuses are there. Yeah. But yeah. it's my move. Your move. Brilliant. That's a great one to end on. And thank you for inspiring me. Believe it or not, normally I talk at you, so... I'm very happily... I managed to hold back a little bit, Um, but thank you very much. Thank you for listening today. Remember that you can subscribe, and if you would like to leave a review, that would be brilliant. Also, you can find me on alihart.com and all different social medias. Thank you for listening, and I will see you on the other side.